following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is where we'll be. We're going to talk this morning about reaching our relatives. All of us have a mom or dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, somebody who we're trying to reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just uh, a matter of fact of whom, and it's not uh, any different than what happened in the Bible times. There was people in the Bible times that uh, were trying to reach their relatives too. Let me see if I can prove that to you just a second. In the New Testament, uh, we see that Timothy learned the gospel from his mother and his grandmother, and that led him to the faith. We see that first and foremost, okay, that's in the later part of the New Testament. When the Philippian jailer heard the good news, his whole family heard and accepted Jesus Christ, okay? So we see some people who got saved or came to a knowledge, a, a confession, and a belief that Jesus Christ is Lord, he's the Messiah, he's the Savior, and so all of a sudden, um, we see that, that families are affected by that, and uh, Cornelius wanted to learn about Jesus. He invited his whole neighborhood, his friends to be led to the faith. So people, once they get saved, we talked about this a little bit last week, but once people come to salvation, 1 Corinthians, okay, or Romans chapter 10, once they do that, man, things start changing. Their lives start changing. Their, um, everything starts changing. I was just uh, visiting my folks uh, the past couple of days, and this was funny. I, I left to kind of get away from church world, get to my folks' house, drop my kids off with my mom. My dad looks at me. He says, would you like to make some hospital visits with me? Why not? Let's do it. Why not? Okay, so uh, I, I leave this church for a second to go to another church to minister there. And he said, who are we going to go visit? And uh, a young couple had just had a baby uh, in their church. And so he's going to go visit this baby. And we show up. And this is a cute little tiny baby. And it was so funny because we get into the hospital room. And uh, I, I see the guy. And, he's, and my dad's like, this is my son, Jordan. I'm like, hey, this is awkward. I have no idea who you are. I'm just tagging along. I'm kind of in the ministry too. And uh, I said, cute baby. And he's like, thanks, man. And he, no joke, looks at me and he says, do you smoke Cuban cigars? <laughs> I looked at dad. Dad looked at me and he says, I don't. I said, well, I guess I don't today either, you know? <laughs> and the funny thing was, I was like, I should have taken one. Somebody in our congregation probably smokes Cuban cigars, okay? Um, but you shouldn't. That's, that's evil. Um <clears throat> So it was so funny, and uh, we, we get out of, the, uh, out of the hospital room, and I mean, this guy had some real colorful language to him, and I looked at Dad, I said, that guy was fun, and he's like, yeah, he just came to know the Lord, Jordan. I said, what does that mean? I said, he says, he's got some rough edges on him. I go, I like people with rough edges. Look at your neighbor, say, I like some people with some rough edges. It's okay, all right? Our family members have some rough edges 
edges to them, okay? We understand that. Many people come to know the Lord because of family, all right? Somebody gets to uh, come to know Jesus, and you'll see this firsthand with our Easter baptisms. You'll see all these family members who will show up, and they'll see a testimony of somebody who confessed and believed in Jesus Christ, a baptism, an outward profession of an inward confession, and they'll, they'll start being like, I want to be like that guy who is, or that girl who is like Jesus, okay? <clears throat> but what do we do about family that refuses to believe in the gospel? Let me give you just four real simple ways this morning, real short, simple ways this morning um, to reach family for the kingdom of God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we'll start at verse 3. <clears throat> All right? Uh, it says, But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human being or any human court. <clears throat> okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Four, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I'm hereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. That's the key verse, okay, for where we're going, okay? It is the Lord who judges me. If you are underlining in your Bibles, you underline it is the Lord who judges. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his um, commendation from God. Now, Watch this. The first thing, let me unload your backpack for you, okay? When we talk about reaching family members, let me relieve some stress, because first and foremost, you have to know, write this down, that you don't. You don't. You don't lead family members to the Lord. You don't do a, a, a anything, okay? You live a life that honors and glorifies the Lord. You read your Bible. You spend time in prayer. You spend time in prayer for this person. And we realize that it's nothing that we do that brings a family member closer to Jesus Christ. It is all the work of the, anyone? Holy Spirit. That's his job. Okay, so we realize that even in that verse in 1 Corinthians, it says, it is the Lord who judges. It is the Lord who judges that person. Our job, we've learned this way back a few weeks ago, is to love people and have compassion for people and understand that we were in that place once too, amen? We've been there, okay? We've been outside the family of God. We understand what it means to be outside the family of God, and we understand that the one person who came to illuminate what a relationship with Jesus Christ is all about was the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That's what he does. Now, track with me here for a second. What we need to first start with when we're talking about reaching our family members is that there's nothing inside of ourselves that can bring our relatives to Jesus Christ. And that's where a lot of us get frustrated. We get really, really kind of um, anxiety going on. And we start thinking to ourselves, man, I need to do something and I need to do the heavy lifting that the Holy Spirit is so willing to do. But only the Spirit, only the Spirit can illuminate. Let me read you a passage of scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Our family comes to know Christ just like we did when the Holy Spirit helps them to see their greatest needs. So our greatest prayer is that the Holy Spirit would remove the veil from their eyes and they would see the truth. 
So who is the one family member that you have in your life that you're looking at and saying, you need Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been beating him over the head with the Bible, physically or literally, depends on who you are. And you look at it and you say, you say, this person, maybe you're trying to do the heavy lifting that the Holy Spirit desperately wants to do for you. Are we praying God, would you remove the veil from this person's eyes? John chapter 6, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Don't get discouraged, church. Pray that the Spirit of God would illuminate this person, him or hers, greatest need, which is salvation by no other name but Jesus Christ. Now, the American church appears to be mostly principle, but very little power. In other words, we like ideas, we like concepts, we like to-do lists, we like one, two, three sermons, we like uh, our things kind of really systematic and ordered out, but we forget that the Holy Spirit likes to move. I remember one time uh, when my dad spoke here, it's actually the last time my dad spoke here, I said, um, Dad, I need your PowerPoint and your outline a month in advance. No joke. He looked at me and he said, Jordan, what if the Holy Spirit gives me a, another message on Saturday? I said, I already spoke to the Holy Spirit. He's given you a message a month in advance, so I need that this time. He said, I don't like the way you work. I said, well, I dealt with you for 18 years, so this is the way it works. Okay? But the Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit's power sometimes comes at really different times, okay? And we realize that there is much to be said about those who are organized and planned, but sometimes the Spirit pops up and he says, hey, I want to show you something at this moment in time, so we have to be sensitive to that. We say the right things, we believe the right things, but we produce very little evidence to confirm that what the Bible says is true in regards to evangelizing, especially to our family. Stay with me here for a second. You might say that the church is like a frozen waterfall. It has all the form and all the shape of its early days, but none of the movement, none of the power that comes from the book of Acts. See, what's funny is we look way back at the book of Acts and we see all these thousands of people that got saved and we go, whoa, that was a cool thing that happened way back then. But we forget that those same things can happen today in our time when our people pray, God, would you remove the veil from the people's eyes who don't know you as Lord and Savior? And this starts with our families. So the fire of the Holy Spirit comes upon the churches, leaders, ministries start to thaw out and experience what happens when we share the gospel, when we come on point with the gospel, okay? So it's also praying, God, would you help me move? Would you help me kind of thaw out my heart so that I can open up my mouth to communicate to my mom and dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, whatever, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm praying for this person, but at the same time, I'm also praying for myself, Okay, because God's going to give us opportunities at the weirdest times for us to evangelize, to share our faith. So God loves difficult and downright impossible situations. And maybe you're looking at your family members saying this is a downright difficult and impossible situation. How many of you would be like, yeah, I, I feel that. You should come meet my brother Jed. He's crazy. Okay. The funny thing is we were all downright difficult, impossible situations before we heard the word of God. And so that is why we have the Holy Spirit who ministers and does the heavy lifting for us when we evangelize, we share our faith to those who are in our families. Okay? This is all the miracles that he's conquered. There's nothing the Holy Spirit isn't up to the challenge to do. 
Okay, so we look at this and we realize we must continue to pray and believe in faith that God is working and he will continue working through that very difficult relative. He's just, he, he will. He says, don't give up on me, okay? Never give up on the hope that you have, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, that is in you. Two verses, Psalm 31, 24, be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to wait for the Lord to move. Romans 12, 12, rejoice in the hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Okay, be constant in prayer. All right, understand that. So we don't, the Holy Spirit does, okay? We do our job and we, we do our steps, but the Holy Spirit's the ultimate one who does the heavy lifting for us. Now, number two, okay? Never underestimate the power of nonverbal communication, Never underestimate when you're trying to lead somebody to the Lord, you're trying, especially if this is a family member, you want them to see the truth, you're praying for them, that the veil would be removed, that they would see the truth of the gospel. We never underestimate the power of non-verbal communication. I gave you a couple verses of there, but let me tell you something. Long before the internet, social media, computers, smartphones, typewriters, there was an old-fashioned form of communication that existed called, anybody writing? There's this thing called a letter. Imagine that. You can take a pen, put it on a piece of paper, you move your hand, you write words, words go from left to right, you put a period at the end, it's called a sentence, and you deliver it to somebody, it's called a message, they receive the message, and they understand what you said, hopefully, if your writing's legible. (laughs) Right? But this is a nonverbal communication that sometimes does amazing things that verbal communication, or I would even say technological communication, doesn't accomplish. It's estimated that written English probably around, originated probably around 3500 B.C. Letters make up one-third of our New Testament text. You realize that God wrote you a letter? You realize that God may be asking you to write somebody else a letter? Now I'll get to this in just a second, but watch. The, this type of nonverbal communication, writing, is critical to reaching those outside of the grasp and communicating the need for Jesus Christ as saviors because letters do something that communication doesn't do, that Facebook doesn't do, that social media doesn't do, and it somehow pulls at our heartstrings because we know that person spent time and effort in writing these things down for us to Read. Let me give you a couple things. Our letters to the unsaved family member has to, conclude, has to include a couple of things. So if you have, first and foremost, said, Holy Spirit, I want you to remove the veil from this person who I love, my loved one. Uh, I, want you to see the tr- I want them to see the truth of the gospel. I'm going to believe in faith that you have the power to do that. The Holy Spirit looks back at us. He says, I want you to write them a letter. I want you to tell them how you feel. Uh, let them know what's going on. First thing that that has to contain is a confession or a simple and sincere I'm sorry that allows the Spirit of God to work in a couple massive ways. I do this in my prayer life all the time. Before I pray anything to the Lord Jesus Christ, the first thing I do is ask for forgiveness. And when we approach our family members, we ask for forgiveness, which to some of you, this may be a hard thing to do because you've never apologized for anything in your whole entire life. And you say, listen, I'm sorry. Well, what am I saying sorry for? Well, I'm apologizing that I haven't done this sooner. 
That I haven't, that I haven't loved you enough, that I haven't had enough compassion for you, that I haven't had enough mercy, and, and, and I, I just, I, I haven't done this yet. I haven't written you sooner. I apologize that, that I have been slow in communicating to you. That's the first thing that we say to them. Okay? And that apology opens the door for growth. If I'm talking to somebody and they have something to say to me, and the first thing they say is, Jordan, I'm sorry, I'm listening. I mean, I'm right there. I'm like, go for it. What, 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 you're sorry, you, you're sorry for, for what? What did you do? They say, hey, I should have come to you sooner, but I, I, I didn't. I got this message for you. I, I, I just, I, I know it's important. I, I know it's there. And so all of a sudden, this opens up the door for growth. Look at what happens in James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. He says, confess to one another. This is amazing to us. The second thing it should contain is a compliment because people don't get compliments. I'm learning slowly, open your eyes to this, that we are a very negative society. We just see the bad in everything. We just do. When I talk to people, there are very few people who I talk to who see the positives in everything that's going on in life. Most of the time, it's a negative conversation. And the reason that we speak negatively to one another is because we have been spoken negatively to. A lot of us haven't had anything that has come like a compliment. If you read the letters in the New Testament, Paul, he will say, this letter is urgent for you. And then all of a sudden he says, hey, I miss you. You guys are doing great. This is what's going on. Majority of the times when Paul writes to the churches, he is writing to encourage and edify those believers. And he realizes that there's going to be some people who are going to read these letters as well. There's going to be outsiders. And he wants them to see that the church is being built up, that we're being positive about what God is doing and that what he will do. So even the worst family member has at least one good trait, I promise you. Okay? I mean, think of one good, you're like, you don't know, Grandma Phyllis. She's, nope. Bottom of the barrel, Jordan. No, like she's got something good in her. Maybe she gives good Christmas presents. I don't know what it is, okay? But there's something good that is in that person, and we focus on that. A compliment goes a long way to getting to the heart of an issue. Remember, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. It's funny, when you meet somebody who's depressed and you start speaking into their life what, who they are and what they're all about, all of a sudden they start, they start turning a little bit. And they look at you and they say, man, wow, it's, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit better, okay? Now, we go from those two things to a concern. What is my overall concern for my family member? It is important we speak our heart and let our concern flow from compassionate hearts. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. When you correct, correct with gentleness. So that God may perhaps grant them a repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, Uncle Jim, I'm sorry I haven't written you sooner. I just wanted to let you know that I think the world of you. You give the best hugs I've ever had in my whole entire life. But I'm greatly concerned for your well-being. I feel like I should have told you this sooner, but the fourth thing is I go right into the cross. I want you to know that the scriptures, the Bible, 
has verses for you. Good news, bad news. Write it out in your own words. I got a, a, a gospel track, track from somebody who had written it out in his own words. And that's phenomenal. If we write that down in a letter, this is what it means. I, I got to tell you this because I know you're going to read this and I know you're going to sift through this. And these are my words that I'm writing you from my hand. And I want you to know the, the bad news is that we've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. And that includes me. But, but the bad news gets worse. We all deserve to die. But there's good news. And that is that Jesus sent his only son to die on the cross for our sins. And if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, we will be saved. And I tell you this not because I want you to hurt, but I tell you this because I love you and I have compassion for you and I want you to come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. If I got a letter like that and I opened it up in my mailbox, I'd be like, whoa. I'm here to talk to you whenever you need me to talk to you. I'm here to, to be here for you. I, I just wanted to let you know that. I'm, I'm sorry I haven't written you sooner. Right, I mean, that's the envelope. And we look at it and we realize that this is something that we all can do. C.S. Lewis says we don't need to be told new ideas as much as we need to be reminded of old truths. <clears throat> so I brought you something. This is my book. This is my book of encouraging words. Handwritten encouraging words that come from people to me. I keep them in a book. I get really down sometimes and, and, and when I get down sometimes I open up this book and, and I realize that there's, there's some really, really good stuff in here. Because people have taken time to hand write a note to me, and, and I wanted to share one with you. I remember the day that uh, I came to be a muck. For some of you who don't know that, I was adopted, and um, I was adopted later in life, and my dad, he's the king of this stuff, okay? He writes me, and he's got horrible handwriting, so he writes me this letter, right? <clears throat> now, this is funny. I'm going to open this. I'm going to show you this, because you can't read this. This is like something that has to be deciphered by the CIA, <laughs> all right? But he's always written this way, so I've kind of figured it out. Now, <clears throat> he starts talking about all this stuff. I've kept this for a long time. But I, I, I want to focus on the, past, on the last two sentences. He says, Mom and I have seen such great growth in you. Now, keep in mind, this is in my first year of ministry. All right? And, I mean, I got, you name it. I mean, it's coming after me. It's, it's, it's all over there, okay? He says, you'll keep growing for God's glory. You say, um... Sorry, he's got really bad hand raise. Um, uh, essentially what he says is, you, say, uh, uh, you sang a song at camp on Joshua 1.9. That was when I was five. Okay, five or six. And believe the Lord. He wants you to be so prosperous. And another word that I can't read. And then he says, thank you so much for your love to me. And for your love to be assured by the love that I have for you. Thank you so much for all uh, you mean to me. The Lord is surely good. Love, Dad. Joshua 1.9. I kept it. Why? Because this is his handwritten word to me. See, the funny thing is, it, it, it's, it's not just there, but we realize that handwritten words have so much meaning. I go to the front of my Bible, and I realize that I keep one little note from my wife, and it says just something real small. It says, you're amazing. I don't deserve you. I keep this for ammunition in my back pocket. <laughs> Thank you for your patience and your servant's heart today. I'm one lucky girl. You're doggone right. <laughs> she said, I love you lots. Me, XOXO. 
See, we keep handwritten words, and I got things in here from people who wrote to me before I knew the gospel and after I knew the gospel, because they were genuinely concerned for my well-being, and I go back to it constantly. Stay there. I go back to it constantly because I know that those people took time and hand-wrote it to me so that I would know the truth that is in Scripture, A way to be reminded of old truth, the gospel, is to let our loved ones read and reread our letters to them. I go back to it over and over and over again. When we take the time to write out our concerns, we remember how effective these written words become. Remember, the authors of the New Testament gave you a letter through the power of the Holy Spirit so that he would do a great work in you, and that means God himself wrote you a letter so that you may come to know him as Lord and Savior and grow in that relationship with him. So every time I read my Bible, I'm reading a love letter from God to me that says, this is how I want you to grow, and we need to do the same for the people who are in our lives, okay? Don't underestimate the power of nonverbal communication. Let me give you uh, a couple more. Number three, Go to Luke chapter 10. To the left a little bit, if you were in 1 Corinthians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verse 2, says this. He says to them, I'll let you get there for a second. Luke chapter 10, verse 2. This is right before Jesus sends out the 72. He says to them, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Go your way, and behold, I'm sending you out uh, out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That's what he says. So he's sending people out, and he's realizing that there are multiple workers that are going to go out. So what we realize, that as we want to reach our relatives for the gospel, the Holy Spirit does the heavy lifting. We utilize nonverbal communication. And three is to understand it may take some other people to win this war. Write that down. It may take some other people to win this war. War. We remember that sometimes the most effective people to lead someone to Christ are often those outside of immediate family. We know some people who are struggling right now. We know some people who are going through hardships right now. And it's funny how often my phone blows up and says, Jordan, would you go talk to this person? Would you go, um, would you go communicate with this individual that's having a hardship? And you know what? Immediately in my mind, I start thinking, who else could go besides me? Because what happens is when I go, all of a sudden they're like, oh man, Pastor Jordan come, I must have really messed up now. I mean, that's what happens. Like I I pop into the scene and they look at me and go, oh my goodness, what? Go ahead, let me have it. But if somebody else comes in who is close to that situation, who knows the same gospel that I do, and we understand that we have multiple people in the family of God who help and equip each other so that others may come to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, we realize how important it is for them to be equipped too. Okay? So, what we have to remember is, what are we going to do? Who are we going to equip to also help us win this person to Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit? All right? There's a sign on a pastor's desk. He said, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. I'd switch it. We need more nobodies telling everybody about somebody who can save anybody. That's what we need. 
Because I don't, I don't ever feel qualified. It's, it's funny, my phone will ring and, and they're like, Jordan, can you go talk to this person? Uh, can you tell them? And I, I, I never feel qualified. I'm like, I don't think you get it. I'm 30. I, I, I don't have anything to offer this person. Yeah, but you're kind of fun. You ride motorcycles, blah, 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 all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, but that's not the common bond that maybe we have. Maybe that person needs to hear it from you. Maybe that person needs to hear you say it. Because when you get into that situation where you have a victory, I get the victory as well. And so does the entire church. We're going to come up on Easter and we're going to fill up the baptismal and all of a sudden these people are going to stand up and they're going to give testimonies. You know what happens in testimonies? I love this. They don't stand up there and say, well, Jordan and I were sitting and talking. Well, Jordan and I are sitting and talking. Well, Jordan and I are sitting and talking. They don't do that. They say, well, this is how I came to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is how I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that he is Lord. And, and, and it all happened through various different people. And that's when I really get excited because I'm like, look at the family of God on point doing what Matthew 28 tells them to do. I love it when Dan and Becky stand up here and they say, this is what we're doing in Brazil, near and far, making Christ known. That's what we do. It takes others. It takes an army. So we have to continue to ask God to remove the veil and so people can see the truth to send additional people to communicate the gospel to those people who are in our family. With that said, we also have to remember that we might be an answer to somebody else's prayer request, I've said this before, when we communicate the gospel to those in our communities. If we would view other people with love and compassion and understand that somebody is praying for us in that moment to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to them, we would have a totally different outlook on how we tell other people about Jesus Christ. I mean, I do all the time. When, when the situation comes and it's presented to me and God's like, tell this person about Jesus Christ, I go, God, would you just help me to know that somebody else is praying for me right now to be bold because I'm petrified. And so we look at this and we realize that we also pray that God would provide opportunities to speak boldly. Let me read you Acts 4, 29. Pray for us too that God may open a door. Make this your prayer. Colossians chapter 4. Pray for us too that the Lord may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Acts chapter 4. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Matter of fact, go to Acts and underline that. Acts chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. This can be your prayer. This can be your prayer, church. This should be our prayer. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And now the Lord look upon their threats and grant to you, your servants, to continue to speak with words of all boldness. Underline that, man. Make that your prayer when it comes to your family members who are, who are away from a relationship with Jesus Christ, that I would be bold to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I'm bold in communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not worried about the victory because the Holy Spirit's going to do the heavy lifting for me. I just uh, communicated to a guy a little bit ago about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He rejected it. He's gone kind of his own way. I'm praying that somebody else plants another seed. Okay? Now, 
What is our response? Let me give you the very last thing, the culmination of this whole thing. And what is, what is our response? If we are to do this, if we are to pray the prayer of God, remove the veil from this person's eyes, help the Holy Spirit to do the heavy lifting, if we are going to be people who understand that it is our job to communicate using the power of nonverbal communication, I pray that you write letters this week to your loved ones, your lost ones, okay? And if we are going to look at it, realizing it takes an army of people, our response all always, 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 always as Christians is to be consistent in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Write that down. Last thing is that you are to be consistent in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't check out yet. I know that's the last blank. There's notes on the other side. You keep writing in your slip. Be consistent in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Consistency, to sum it all up, is the key in sharing our faith. What we have to remember is that relatives who don't listen still pay attention to the ways that we live. And some people might not be coming to know the Lord because they're really paying attention to the way that you live and you live so outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ that you confess that there's no way that anybody would come to that relationship with Jesus Christ because it hasn't impacted your heart. It's still a head knowledge. Okay? So they look at you and they say, why would I come to know Jesus Christ? There's nothing different in you. You still participate in the same things that we participate in. You still are active in the same things that we're active in. And so I'm not going to come to a relationship with Jesus Christ because it doesn't do anything for me. Because they're seeing you. And they're seeing some inconsistencies. Now, does that mean we're perfect? No, by any means. That does not mean that we're, that we're perfect people, but we're striving for a bar that is perfection. And so it's our job to live consistent Christian lives that show, church, differences from the ways of the world. I'm in a constant confrontation with the world. I'm going to give you a really uh, tangible illustration of this, okay? Uh, a, a, a few... Um, it was a couple weeks ago, uh, I got a buddy in the church, and he's like, hey, I know you love uh, mixed martial arts. Do you want to go to a fight with me? Absolutely. Okay, some of you guys are looking at it going, that's brutal, how could you do that? Okay, I understand the backstory of a fighter's uh, discipline to get to where he needs to go, and even if you think it's brutal or not brutal or whatever, uh, we can have that conversation later that's irrelevant right now. Okay, but I have a lot of connections to that world, been in that world, um, understand, and, and here's the, the coolest thing. I walked in um, to this fight, and I realized all the people that are there, and I'm like, man, what if the church showed up here? Like, I can see all these people and I just focus on them and I'm like, that guy's lost, that guy's lost, that guy's lost, that guy's lost. You guys are sitting there looking at me. How do you know? You can just tell. Okay? And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm kind of um, figuring things out on how this thing works and I'm kind of walking through this and, and I'm looking at it and, and here's how I know that I was supposed to be there because I got in three conversations that night with three different guys that go, hey, what do you do for a living? Well, this is going to be fun. Let's throw this ball. And he says, well, I'm, I'm a pastor. I bet you 50 bucks you're the only pastor that's here. And it's interesting because I got in three very spiritual conversations that night with three very different people, and we would not have gotten in those conversations if I wasn't there. Now, am I participating? No. Am I present? Yes. And I look a little different? Probably. But I'm interested, like I said last week, in their world, but only to the point to where I need to be to show them the separation that happens. 
And there's too many of us who have built shelters around our lives. And there's too many of us who have built a church that's a safe house. Instead of saying, hey, you can come in here too. Look at what Peter says. Paul and Peter, they live this life. They go into these situations. They have these conversations. And look what Peter says to us about wives with non-Christian husbands. He says, and we're going to parallel this exactly the same way about us in our relationship with non-believers. He says, wives, in the same way, may submit yourselves to your own husbands so that in any of them do not believe the word, that they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. I can tell you that Everybody, and I'm not boasting myself, I'm not bringing myself up, but I guarantee you the three guys who I had conversations with that night at that fight looked at me and said, there's something different about that guy than every other guy who's here. And that's my whole goal is to show them that, hey, there's a different life out there and it's offered to you if you would accept it with faith and you would understand that you want to be perfect to come into it, but I want them to see the consistencies in my life. So I don't participate in some of the things that they participate. I don't do some of the things that they do. But I'm going to show up in your world and I'm going to drop a huge bomb of knowledge to say you too can have the same relationship with Jesus Christ and let's let him chisel away some of those hardships. Let's let let Jesus Christ chisel away some of those inconsistencies with time, okay? Because I used to be you. I used to be you. I sat down, should have wrote a letter, didn't have the address. I sat down, opened up my computer that night, wrote... Just a real small uh, uh, message to one of the guys that I talked with there. I said, hey, just want to let you know, it was so great to talk to you. If you ever have any other questions, I would love to speak with you. This is his response. You know, nobody's ever messaged me after one of these events and said that they want to continue a conversation that we started that night. I'm here. Let's have that. Let's, 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 let's do this. Let me show you what it's like to live in the word as opposed to what it's like to live in the world. The secret of success is to constantly and consistently pursue, 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 pursue. Will we fall? Will we fail? When we strive to become like Christ? Absolutely. But we don't lose heart. Let me tell you something, church, there's some times I've taken a step backward and I've looked at it and I've taken out my little book of encouragement that I've had and all those letters and I put it down in front of my table and I said, God, show me who I am. And there's so many saints who have opened up themselves and been willing to open up themselves and say, hey, this is what I see in you. And it's an encouraging thing when the body of Christ rallies around you and says, you don't have to be perfect to come to the knowledge and the salvation of Jesus Christ. You just have to confess and believe and we'll work on all that stuff later. But I want you to understand what it means to really live and live life to the fullest. And church, let me tell you something. Let me leave you with this. Don't let Satan intimidate you when you are being consistent in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let him push you out of things that you know you're supposed to be present in. Don't let him uh, move you in places that you know that God is moving you towards. Okay? Don't let Satan intimidate you. Be willing to admit to the person you used to be willing uh, while living in Christ's forgiveness, letting them see a consistently changed life. I'll leave you with a story. I show up at the, uh, the Mammoth YMCA. Oh, what a facility. 
This is my hometown. Uh, I told my mom, I said, hey, well, I'm there. I would love to work out. She said, absolutely. The guy who owns the Y, he'll give you a pass. You can have the pass, and you could go there and whatever. So I go to the, to the Y, and um, I, I put my little card on the desk, and I say, hey, I'm here to work out. I look up, and there's this girl who I used to go to high school with. I had to think of her name real quick, and I'm like, hey! And she's like, hey! And she's standing on the other side of the desk, and I'm looking at her, and it was like, I'm not even kidding you, it was like two worlds totally collided because we used to live in the same world. And I knew, I knew right when I saw her, I was like, well, something's, something's different here. And I said, hey, you're on the other side. I feel, like, I feel like I should give you a hug. And she's like, yeah, that'd be cool. So she comes around. I give her a hug. I was like, it's so good to see you. And she's like, yeah, what are you doing here? I said, I don't even know. I had a Google map, and I don't know how to get around this town anymore. She's like, there's 100 people here. What are you doing? I don't know. So I, I sat there. I looked at her, started talking to her. And here's the crazy thing. I didn't even intend this to happen. I looked at her, and I said, hey, where are you going to church? She looked at me. I'm not kidding you. She was like, did, did Jordan Muck just ask me where I'm going to church? I said, yeah, where are you going to church? What are you, what, what are you up to? She was so quick to move from that which is spiritual to that which is secular. And I just continued to move what is secular back into what is sacred. And I said, hey, let me tell you something. There's a great church here. You know, you need to get plugged in. We started having this conversation about it. I didn't want Satan to intimidate me. I didn't want to buy into what was going on there. And she looked at me and she said, she said hey, have a great workout. I said, great. We're gonna come, I'm going to come back. We're going to talk all over again. She's like, absolutely. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. When, when I walked away from that conversation, walked back in, she looked at me and she says, man, you're, you're doing something different. You're doing something different. Let me tell you what I'm doing different. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Present yourself to God as one appointed a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. May we live consistent in God's grace as we share our faith to those who are closest to our heart. Four ways to reach your relatives. First of all, you don't. Let the Holy Spirit do the, the heavy lifting. Never underestimate nonverbal communication. Who do you need to write a letter to this week? Three, may take some other people. Who can you equip this week to help you out? Maybe you got some Christians in your family and you can pull them in and say, hey, Jim, would you like to, um, you know, go and sit and have a conversation with Pam about Jesus? Feel really convicted. And be consistent. Read your word. Spend time in prayer. Understand that all things are possible with Jesus Christ who is working everything together for our good. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, <clears throat> so many of our relatives are, are seeking and exploring and we know that, we understand that. And God, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our job is to be consistent in prayer and study of the word. And um, we need to take all the other weeks that we've been studying and we need to put some of those things into practice, God. We know that we're supposed to do uh, these things. And, and, and God, a lot of us are afraid. But I pray that you would help us overcome our fear. Help us realize that your glory is greater than other people's opinions of who we are. See us, God, help us to, to see that we're beautiful messengers for you. Help us to spend time in the word that would eliminate our terror of sharing the gospel. God, may we leave this place and sit down and write a letter to a loved one, a handwritten letter. Maybe some of us haven't written a letter in years. And it's time for us to formulate what you want us to formulate. 
And I pray that we would have the power to crumple up the letter and start again and crumple up the letter and start again until it is something that you would be honored with. I pray that we pray over those letters. God, I, I pray that we would be clear about the gospel in those things. I pray, God, that we wouldn't see our relatives as being difficult situations, but people who need love and compassion. I pray that we wouldn't see our relatives as a success or a failure, whether they refuse to accept the gospel of Jesus Christ or, or whether they, they run to it. We would look at them as with compassion, love, mercy, and grace. God, help us to know we don't need to know it all. But let us just, man, let us just know that you're in control. May we do our part while you do yours. Give these people this morning the ability to believe that all things are possible with you. Help them to understand the gospel message is for those who are in their families and those loved ones that they care so much about. It's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Lord bless you. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 